The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening all across Mississippi on Super Talk to the Advisors Roundtable. Uh, Bubba, we've talked in the past about uh, handling risk, and sometimes you share the risk, and sometimes you avoid the risk, and some, you know, there are a number of ways risk mm-hmm. management. I think actually part of your bachelor's degree was in risk management, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, risk management, insurance, and financial planning was one of them. All right, so risk management. Why in the world would somebody want to concentrate on that? That sounds like a negative thing. I want to stay away from from, from risk, and, and I don't want to know about it, and I, I don't want to d- discuss it, and I, I don't want to be exposed to it. So why, why in the world would somebody actually take classes related to risks? Well, I... Um a number of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. At, uh, risk management is is a heck of an industry. Mm-hmm. You think about it, you know, starting back with and uh, um, years and years ago when it got started, you know, these uh, individuals would want to insure cargo going mm-hmm. from one place to another yeah, from the West pirates in these yeah. company and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so, I remember that from you business know, school. It, if you don't want to have a loss or you want to mitigate or reduce the, the chances of loss, then you look at risk management. Okay. So, and, and many people do that uh, every day without even considering that they're doing risk management, right? Like in your day-to-day life. In your day-to-day life. How's that? Uh, well, the first one is avoidance. <laughs> we avoid with yeah, risk, right? Absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, if you know that there's a risky activity that uh, that that you're not interested in doing, mm-hmm. well, you just don't do that activity. I had a phone call last night. Uh, you know, I, I sit on a couple of committees uh, here mm-hmm. in the city and the churches and and various um, uh, charitable organizations, whatever. And I, and one of the guys uh, who's the leader of one of these calls me and says, you know, we were scheduled to have a meeting next Sunday afternoon. I said, yeah, he said, have you seen the forecast? <laughs> Man, it's it's Monday night. That's like right. five or six days away. So oh, I'm looking forward here. You know, and they're, they're talking about, you know, there's a possibility we could have sleet and snow. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's 70 degrees. Well, right. it ain't going to be in five or six days. Yeah. And this guy's already looking forward mm-hmm. to something that's supposed to occur out there five or six days away. And he's trying to avoid a risk. Right. He doesn't want to have various members of his committee mm-hmm. on the roads and in the streets and mm-hmm. coming in and out of homes. And then in addition, you got various var- variants and flu going around, mm-hmm. whatever. And he's like, uh, can we do this via Zoom? I'm like, whatever, dude. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with mm-hmm. that. But uh, he, that's an example. Ab- absolutely, it's an example. Uh, day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. We are dealing with risks and issues. You get up in the morning and it is raining mm-hmm. or it is sleeting. Um, you, uh, various, uh, options you have, mm-hmm. you could stay home. You could, that'd be totally mm-hmm. avoiding it or as much as avoidance as right. you could do. Mm-hmm. Right. You could put on your, uh, 
your your galoshes. Yeah. You could Maybe uh, grab an umbrella. You grab an umbrella. Grab a raincoat. Rain yeah. Um, you decide not to drive the wife's car so you don't get it muddy. Mm -hmm. You could drive your truck. Right. There are just various ways you're handling mm -hmm. that. And at now, as people at home are driving on the uh, on the roads, listen to this. They're like, yeah, you know, on a day to day basis, yeah. I handle issues. I handle risks. Risks come in and out of my life. I'm. I, 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 I'm doing that as an adult, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's various ways of dealing with it. Sometimes we avoid risk. A another way is sharing the risk. Sharing the risk, yeah. Okay, give me an example of how you and myself and our executive producer, Phil, over there would share some kind of risk. Uh, that, that, just coming up with off the top of my head, um, let's say that we were farmers, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Phil was a farmer in... in uh, in Eastern Tennessee, mm -hmm. you were a farmer in Louisiana and I was a farmer in Mississippi. Okay. And we've all got the same acreage amount, mm -hmm. right? That we're farming, but we're farming different crops. Okay. And we say, Hey, you know what? Uh, maybe we're all brothers. Okay. Why don't we diversify our risk or share our risk? Because mm -hmm. Phil may have a drought. I'm, I may have a really good crop and you may have a really good crop. Or we could all have a bad crop together. Mm. Or we could all have a great crop together. Okay. But based on the profits of each one of our crops, okay, because we're doing about the same amount of work anyway, uh, whether, you know, well, and I say that, right? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it may be more work to do cotton versus peanuts, but yeah. Right. But, but we just, but the general idea is, you know, we're, we're collectively sharing mm -hmm. the risk associated with the output of our crops. Right. At the end of the year. Right. Another way is to totally not mm -hmm. just share it, mm -hmm. but totally put it on somebody else. Else. Right. Mm -hmm. You do that with your car insurance. You do. And that's called transference. Okay. So transference is, uh, you know, you basically pay an amount of money mm -hmm. for somebody else to take on all the liability and, and, uh, and, and uh, I guess, a risk associated with you driving that car, uh, either you hitting somebody or somebody hitting you. Yeah. Now, are there times in our lives that there are things that we live with or think we're living with, where you can't share it, you can't avoid it, you can't transfer it. You just mm -hmm. got to live with certain things in life. Yeah, you know, uh, a pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, there are certain things you could do to avoid it, but you still got to live your life. Most of us yeah. still have to go to work or take our kids to school, or maybe stop eating bats in China. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And you could probably wear the mask and wash your hands more. You're trying to mitigate the risk right. there. Mm -hmm. That's basically lessening it. You know, you're not probably going to totally avoid it uh, as a society, but you're trying to mitigate. The reason we're talking about this this morning is that I want people to begin to think that they have, they are a cog, they have something to say and to do and possibly act on the economy mm -hmm. and the international stage. You should not see yourself as a victim. Right. Now, there are some things I cannot totally control, but um, I can become more aware of them. I can uh, make my little decision locally about how I'm going to handle mm -hmm. it. I can't, I, you know, I, I look at my kids and I know that they're concerned about a pandemic or the flu mm -hmm. or some outbreak or pneumonia or something. I, Daddy can't fix that. Right. 
but daddy can teach you how to, as much as possible, handle it yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, this morning I got up and I saw some headlines about, are we returning to 1970s style inflation? I saw that headline somewhere this morning. I maybe have been the same thing that uh, that you looked at. I've not read it yet. Yeah. yeah. And so the question mm-hmm. is, what are you going to do if mm-hmm. you're a citizen in Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, whatever? What are you going to do mm-hmm. related to this question? Are we looking at 1970s style inflation? Well, we're going to talk about that today and maybe some activities or responses you could have from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus and Greg Cooley with you. So we're going to attack this, this question, Bubba. Are we returning to 1970s style inflation here on the Advisors Roundtable? Now, I think one of the reasons that this is getting some press is because, admittedly, Right now, in our economy, at this particular time, this juncture, this window of time, there are some things that are occurring in the national and international economies mm-hmm. that uh, were occurring in the 1970s. Yep. So, in the 1970s, we were just coming out of a war, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're coming out of a war in the Middle East. Uh, in the 1970s, we had a semblance of a we had a Cold War. Yeah, uh, issues with China and with Soviet Union uh, mm-hmm. related to the U.S. Same thing now. We, yeah. we got some issues there. Are we going to go to the Olympics? And are we going to send our yeah. diplomats? And so that's kind of coincidence. not quite a cold year, but uh, war, but maybe some tension there, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't like you. You don't like me. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, also, uh, then there was inflation, huge mm-hmm. inflation uh, related to labor shortages, supply chain issues. Um, you ever heard the stories about what kind of interest rate your grandmother was getting on her CD in the nineteen late nineteen seventies? I have, and uh, and into uh, the very early eighties as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you, you talk to older investors and. and they say, well, I remember when when I could get uh, 8% on a CD at the bank. <laughs> and somebody else across the room would say, I remember when I got eight, 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the rule of 72, if your grandmother yeah. was getting 18% on her mm-hmm. CD, she was yeah. doubling her money about every four years. If, if, if the interest rate environment today were uh, to a point where you could get um, – 10, 11, 12% on a corporate bond mm. and maybe even higher uh, for CDs or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I personally would cash out of stocks completely. <laughs> a lot of people would. Speaking of yeah. risk management. Risk management, absolutely. If the guy down at the yeah. bank would give you a certificate, mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, a, basically yep. a contract that mm-hmm. said he's going to pay you 10, 12, 14%. Well, that's basically what a lot of people are getting in in some portfolio, risky portfolios, right? Mm-hmm. On an average, and so that's one marked difference sure. to what was happening in the nineteen seventies mm-hmm. because we don't have those high interest that's rates right. now. Mm-hmm. And you know, what were people paying on mortgages? Well, commensurate rates, sure. 
They're paying 8, 10, 12, 15 percent mm-hmm. on mortgages. We don't have that. So that's a, I, I told you two or three things that are kind of similar to what was going on in the 70s. My first yeah. point to people who say, are we getting back to 1970s inflation is, have you seen interest rates lately? Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, but the Fed says they're going to increase them. Yeah. Increase them from where to where? Yeah, that you know they could double them right now, and we'd still not be touching. I mean, we'd be under six yeah. percent exactly. So that's nowhere near twelve, fifteen, eighteen mm-hmm. percent, right? Um, and that was crippling. Mm-hmm. Let's just pick on one industry of the nineteen well, seventies, and more importantly, why was it crippling? Okay, um, the cost of credit mm-hmm. was a very big hindrance to them doing business. Right well, of at course. that point. So if I if if I need to borrow money and I can borrow money at three percent versus nine percent, well, obviously that debt payment is paid back at nine percent is much much more. Yeah. So I've got a lot less cash outflow that I can, uh, you know, expend on other operations in my business. Yeah, it'll That's hold you back. That's why it's crippling. It's very much so. It'll hold you back. And so we're going to pick on one industry here. Let's call. Let's say the housing industry. Mm-hmm. So in the 1970s, if Phil was going to have to pay 18% on a mortgage, uh, he may or may not be able to afford it, first of all. That's right. And then secondly, he may say, you know, I'm going to wait until interest rates go down, even if i got to wait five or ten years, Mm -hmm. because first of all, I can't afford it, and if I can, it's it's going to really stretch me. And so he wouldn't build a house. Mm -hmm. Maybe he wouldn't even add on to his house at those interest rates. Right. And so the housing market uh, really didn't have near the activity it has now. You tried to build anything lately? You tried even talking about a construction project. I've talked about construction projects, and that's about as far as I got. And one of the things that, you know, you may not, may be holding you back is not interest rates. Mm -hmm. It's because so many people are doing them now at these lower interest rates. Mm -hmm. You can't get a contractor. That's right. Or... The building materials mm-hmm. are costing so much because there's so many people wanting to do sure. those kinds of projects that you know, your builders say, you know, it'd be a while before I can get mm-hmm. you some shingles, Bubba. That's right. So there's a reflection in just one industry of, about how it's mm-hmm. a little different now and different kinds of, of stresses and pressures. Here's another one. In the 1970s, have you heard anything about... Um, those 1970s gas lines. Uh, yeah. You know, people uh, lining up and were uh, being rationed gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted gasoline in your car back then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you had these service stations and they may get the supply in. And mm-hmm. when they got the supply in, you know, they were they were paying like 16 times what they had pl- paid for uh, a, a supply just a few weeks earlier. The most recent time that I remember hearing of anybody rationing gasoline mm-hmm. was right after Hurricane Katrina yeah. down on the coast. Sure, right. and I uh, and I know an individual who went down there to volunteer for the effort, mm-hmm. um, and they went up to a uh, a gasoline station. Uh, these folks had hooked up a generator so that they could pump the gas out of the ground, mm-hmm. out of the tanks. Mm-hmm. And they would decide how much you got when you came through. 
One gallon, five gallons, yeah. ten gallons, whatever. But I would say this, though. They were not gouging people on the prices. Whatever the price was on the pump or on the sign outside, God that's what them. they were charging. Yeah. Well, in the 1970s, yeah. they couldn't. Right. Because when they, you know, because your, your example is they're using a generator to pump oil that mm-hmm. they already, or, or gas they right. already have in the ground, mm-hmm. in the tank. Right. But when the service station owner was getting a new shipment in, mm-hmm. and when that tanker came in and put new gas in the tank, which was probably empty at the yep. time, he was it was 16 times what had previously been paid. Yeah. So now, let me give you an example of that. So if we had that right now in our economy, mm-hmm. from where the present price per barrel is yep. for gasoline, you'd be paying about $600 a barrel. Yep. 16 times mm-hmm. is what it went up in the 1970s. Right. And if it went up 16 times from where we are now, you know, it'd be six, $700 a barrel. That's right. We're not there. No. No. And so that's a, a dissimilar thing to the, the argument that we may be in 1970s style inflationary mm-hmm. times. Uh, first of all, interest rates. And secondly, uh, oil. Now, a couple of things that I want to kind of nerd out on about why oil uh, is being held down now. Uh, first of all, um, the present administration has decided that, uh, you know, we're going to uh, monitor our production of certain kinds of oil from certain places uh, and from certain sources, but we still have the potential of getting the oil there if we needed mm-hmm. it. We didn't have shale technologies yeah. mm-hmm. back in the 1970s. Yeah. And actually, in the 1970s, OPEC didn't function like it does mm-hmm. now. Those boys like profit. That's right. And they, they like kind of mon- monitoring the supply mm-hmm. and, the, and the price out there. And they understand what people will do. We have a little bit more um, access to information now. That's right. So, you know, if you found out that the uh, oil prices are going up or getting ready to go up, mm-hmm. um, you know, how many cars you got in your household? Um, how many cars do you pay insurance on, in other words? Yeah, three. Okay, you got three cars yeah. you pay insurance on. Mm-hmm. You could, you may not want to, but if in, if there were inflationary issues related to oil prices and the ga- price mm-hmm. of gas g- went up, you might be able to get up 15, 20, 30 minutes earlier yeah. every morning, and you and your wife could conceivably mm-hmm. drive only one or two of those vehicles. Right? Mm-hmm. right? Correct. And in the 1970s, there were a lot of families that only had one. Mm-hmm. They only had one option. Right. And they had one vehicle to drive. And if it's a gas guzzler, so be it. Yeah. Right? And so... I'm trying to make points here that some of these headlines about 1970s style inflation, are they just clickbait? Oh, yeah, they're clickbait. Now, what do I mean by clickbait? Well, it uh, it, it, it it grasps you, right? Mm-hmm. It grabs a hold of you and then shakes you and says, oh, no, are we about to hit 1970s inflation again? Right. And then you'll read through the article. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't read through right. the article, yeah. it made you stop. It mm-hmm. made you click. And in the meantime, on that website, they can advertise a bunch of stuff That's to right. you. Mm-hmm. Right? Correct. 
and so because of that, there are a lot of people that may or may not have your best interest at heart mm-hmm. when they they fashion the headlines. They're just wanting right. you to stop and be able to sell more mm-hmm. ads to somebody, That's especially right. on television. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get some guy who's got his own television show, he can get you to stop and watch for about 20 seconds. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, maybe they go to commercial and they try to sell you some beer or some, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, that's profitable to them. Right. So we're going to continue this discussion here on the Advisors Roundtable about 1970s style inflation. And does that really apply to us at all? From the Advisors Roundtable, Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Cooley and Labus here with you on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about these issues related to uh, you know, comparisons of our present economy to the 1970s uh, inflationary times. Uh, some comparisons, some parallels, but also some reasons for us not really to fall into it. Another one uh, is supply chain. So now, um, have you heard anything from anybody on television, any of your clients, any of your favorite retailers, that they've got supply chain issues? I I think we've been hearing that for over a year and a half to two years now. Now, what what does that mean, supply chain issues? It means that they can't get the things that they need to sell. Okay. Or to make what they want to sell. Or to make what they want to sell. All right, so you know maybe somebody um, in the building materials business, maybe he had some issues uh, getting uh, fasteners or nails or two by fours or something like that. That would hurt his business. Yeah, and what's the cause of it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a uh, a cargo container ship getting stuck sideways in the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the port of Los Angeles having uh, major backups there mm-hmm. in their port. For whatever reason. For whatever reason, uh-huh. you know. Um, maybe it's um, um, a much broader mm-hmm. categorization of, uh, well, they t- it takes raw materials to build these other materials mm-hmm. to send you the materials to make your, your product or widget. Mm-hmm. And and it goes all the way up the chain, right? Yeah. Hence and whether the that supply chain, supply, supply chain, correct? Right, right. Now that makes sense, and it could really be a major issue to mm-hmm. our economy if it lasted a long yep. time. Um, is it starting to work itself through the economy already? I think it is. Yeah, um, you know. You drive by an automobile dealership mm-hmm. these days, see very few new automobiles out there. Right. Now, what do we hear is the reason for that? Are they not working uh, in Japan to make automobiles? Are they not working uh, at the Mercedes uh, plant over in Alabama or the Toyota plant in Tupelo? What's happening? I, th- I think it's twofold, and I'm going to talk about two industries. I'm going to talk about the lumber industry, and I'm going to talk about the automobile industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there are some uh, some supply issues, right? Whether it be electronic chips for for cars, or you know the amount of of uh, raw lumber that you can cut into timber, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that these companies are also doing a much better job of inventory management. Uh-huh. Which uh, you think about that, and you say, "What do you mean?" Uh-huh. Um, and with a lumber mill, for instance, right. uh, lumber mills in the past would store a lot of their lumber out on their yard 
Right. Right. And they would have, and then you would have individuals who would go by and ride by and look and say, oh, well, you know, inv- lumber inventories look pretty good right now, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, what um, a lot of these lumber mills uh, realized during uh, the COVID pandemic and that sort of thing is, mm-hmm. hey, we don't necessarily need to store as much wood on our lots because we can run at a capacity that's going to meet a certain demand. As the demand comes yeah. in, we're, we're yeah. knocking it off the yeah. end of the mill. But uh, what effectively happened is these individuals who go through and look at the lumber mills mm-hmm. and they say, oh, well, inventory is really low. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point because uh, builders, everybody else said, oh, well, lumber's really low. The mm-hmm. price is skyrocketing through the roof mm-hmm. when it was, um, yeah, a little bit of it may have been mm-hmm. legitimate, but right. I think a lot of it was uh, a lot of uh, hullabaloo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of the point of today's show. Right. That some of this stuff, some of these headlines are a little hullabaloo. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Another reason that the, the lumber industry decided that they didn't need to keep as much inventory on the yard is because, go back to risk. Yeah. You had risks of, of all kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. A big wind come through, a tornado come through. Mm-hmm. Whoop. We worked three weeks for all of that, and it's gone. That's right. Or a fire, mm-hmm. something ignite out there, and it all burns yeah. up. Whoop. That's three weeks worth of production, mm-hmm. worth of our money tied up. So there are a lot of reasons for them to try to mitigate the risk by not having as much inventory. Mm-hmm. But then you have something happen in the economy where the the, the demand for it goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Interest rates stay low. Lots of people want to build onto their houses or build new houses like Phil did. And a boom. Right. Uh, a lot of it's gone. And so we got to try to keep up. And then what happens? A pandemic comes along. And half of our employees can't show up to help us keep up mm-hmm. with the you know the, the capacity that we thought we right. could do, but to do the just in time thing. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it can, as you said, follow down mm-hmm. through the chain for a number of different reasons here that we have these mitigating circumstances, and boom, it, it looks like it's bad. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, is it not good that we have demand for the lumber? Absolutely, it is. It's not good that the interest rates are historically low. Mm-hmm. Are people not benefiting from that, not just on their mortgage payments, but on their credit card payments and on what they're paying on cars? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of been almost like a perfect storm here, yeah. hasn't it? Now, are there positive reasons for you to think we'll come through this? I think so. Now, first of all, let's start at the employee level. Are wages pretty good? Wages are decent right now. Yeah. I was telling... And and unemployment, especially, Mm -hmm. is really low. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So that means that, you know, people who want to work can get jobs. It may not be your perfect job, but the best way to Mm -hmm. find a job is to have a job. So go ahead and take one and continue to look. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was telling Phil... Uh, on one highway here in Corinth, you can drive about two or three miles and you can pass up the need for about 150 to 200 jobs right. mm-hmm. in one little town in Mississippi. Right. Uh, and so we, we have had growth to the point where um, we've, we've got decent wages. Yeah. Now, if you're an employee, what does that mean? Well, you probably, if you're a, a decent employee and you keep your job, you're probably going to get a 
three to five percent increase in your pay this mm-hmm. year. That's what they tell us. That seems to be the national average that employers feel that they have to do to be able to keep good employees. Right. So they're and they're probably going to have to offer you more benefits. Mm-hmm. So more and more employers are realizing that hey, I got to stay competitive in this job market. And so what do I have to do? Maybe I need to uh, find out why Bubba left me last right. week. Mm-hmm. Bubba, why did you take that job to that other mill over there? Well, they had a 401k. Yeah. Uh-oh. They paid me 50 more cents an hour. I may have to, you know, raise the pay. I got a better shift. I may have to give, yeah. you know, uh, a different uh, uh, benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, eight or ten years ago, very, it was less than half of the employers in America provided ancillary benefits. Right. Less than half Mm -hmm. of the employers in America provided health insurance, provided 401k, Mm -hmm. provided disability insurance, provided uh, the supplemental life insurance. Uh, Very few. In fact, less than 30% of them provided any paid time off other Mm -hmm. than you had to be working here five or ten years to get two weeks vacation. Mm -hmm. And now... You know, employers are realizing that uh, the employee uh, needs to be honored right, and needs to be reasonably compensated. So at that level, I think that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. The other thing is related to population. Yep. We've had a lot of people, and we, had, we did a show on this about how that uh, you got less people working these days. Yep. What did we call that? What was that phenomenon where we had people over the course of this pandemic where they're staying at home? The great resignation. The great resignation. Now, there were four or five reasons that we established Mm -hmm. for why the resignation occurred. There are some people who are like, I don't want to be out there in the public, so I'm going to find a way to work uh, for cash. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know what? I'm eligible for retirement. I know I'm in my early 60s, but, you know, I don't know. I see all these people yeah. dying and getting sick around me, and I don't want to know. I've, got, I've done okay. I've got some savings. i got some savings. And, yeah, if I continue to work until I'm 65 or 70, I could have more, but I may not live that long, Bubba. That's right. How many people tell you that when they're trying to sign up for Social Security? Yeah, I'm going to get it before it's gone, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get it while I can. Yeah. You know, and I'm not promised tomorrow. So a lot of people have have thought about that. Uh, many people have decided that you know I'm not going back to work in the same job I had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to work in a different job, but I'm going to use this opportunity to maybe uh, increase my education and my knowledge and my right. certifications, and I'm going to go back to work somewhere else doing something mm-hmm. different. So all of that has occurred and is affecting. The, the supply of employees, mm-hmm. uh, but that's completely different than it yeah. was in the 1970s. There were lots of people looking for jobs. The unemployment rate was high. Our unemployment rate is low. Mm-hmm. So to review quickly, there are three or four reasons that the inflation rates of the 1970s are not honest. The way oil prices are being handled, yep. the way interest rates are, and the way wages are. There may mm-hmm. be one or two others that we'll talk about as we're up against a break here in the next segment. 
from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Supertalk Radio. Thanks a lot for joining in with us. We've had this discussion about are we returning to 1970s style inflation? We talked about some of the parallels to what's going on now in our economies um, internationally um, and domestically and uh, some of the differences between now and the 1970s. So uh, this last segment, Bubba, let's talk about what should a person do you know, in the first part of the discussion today, we talked about risks mm-hmm. and things you can do if it's raining or it's snowing and, and ways that you, you make decisions um, and really affect how you handle things. So what's the average investor or saver or American taxpayer supposed to do with the things that we anticipate coming in the next year? First of all, do you think inf- uh, inflation will be here with us for a little while. Inflation is always here. Uh-huh. I think it's just the rate at which inflation arrives uh-huh. uh, is, is the variable there. Okay. All right. So have you paid for or known anybody to pay for college education in the last mm-hmm. 10 years? I have. Has college education been going up? Yep. Have you bought an automobile in the last 10 years. Had nothing to do with a pandemic now. Nothing to do with the pandemic. All right. And did you pay a little bit more for it? I did. Ah. Have you seen home prices? You know, houses that used to go for $80,000, you hear that they're on the market now for $200,000? Yeah. Is that happening in more than one place in America? It is. And it has been happening. And we've been living with it. Now, how have we lived with all of those increases in prices? Well, you've got wage inflation, too, uh, that goes along with it. So uh, maybe people are making a little bit more. Yeah. I had a conversation the other day with a young lady who just graduated and, uh, you know, did, did a really good job in college, and she graduated cum something. Mm-hmm. Lottie, I was, you know, thank you, Lottie. Right. But yeah. she did really well, and she, she got her... Got her Straight out of college, first job, more than seventy-five grand a year. Yeah, dude, you know mm-hmm. how many years I had to work <laughs> as Until an you adult. Made seventy-five thousand. So yeah. I'm, you know, my wife and me together. Right. Yeah. You know, and so you're exactly right. Inflation's been going on right mm-hmm. now. It's just getting some headlines because the Fed may raise interest rates. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, do you anticipate? that the Fed will raise interest rates in the coming year or so. I do anticipate that. Now, why would they do that? If you were sitting on the Federal Open Market Committee, the FMOC, yeah. if you were sitting on it, give me some reasons yeah. why you think it would be logical that you would go up on interest rates. The, the Fed raising interest rates is equivalent to tapping on the brakes a little bit in your car. For the economy. For the economy. Okay. It just makes you slow down just a little bit. Okay, makes people, uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to grab headlines. Right. So it makes even the average Joe on the street mm-hmm. a little more aware. Right. Okay. Next thing, when he gets his credit card statement, mm-hmm. instead of 19.9, it's 23.9. Correct. We don't want him to do any of that, mm-hmm. but a lot of people do. Right. Next time he goes to borrow money to buy a car, mm-hmm. instead of 0%, they're probably going to be 3%. 3%. 5.9, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so he's going to be aware of that. Now, this awareness, this tapping on the brakes, what does that do to the psychi- the psychology, the psyche of the average consumer? Well, what do what do you do when you when you know that things are going up and getting more expensive? Are you more aware of how you spend your dollars? You are. Sometimes you. Um, and, and you and I have discussed this, mm-hmm. you know, when gasoline was uh, pretty low and oil went negative for a while, yeah. Yeah. we were looking at ways that we could capitalize on that by yeah. pre-buying gasoline. Yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah, 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 right. Call your local so there service are, station. Yeah, there are some individuals out there who will look at this as an opportunity and mm-hmm. say, uh, for instance, um, maybe their mortgage, right? Okay. Their mortgage might be uh, prime, so to speak, no mm-hmm. pun intended on the word there, mm-hmm. but uh, prime to refinance uh, at a lower rate. Uh, okay, so they may need to do that mm-hmm. now before interest rates go up. Right. So there's some things that a person could do. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to go ahead and pay off that 19% right. credit card mm-hmm. before it goes up to 23%. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there are some Positive now, response. I, w- I would not advise uh, taking out another mortgage mm-hmm. to pay off your credit card debt and then going back into credit card debt. No, 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 no. That, that's it, kind of moving backwards. Yeah, and people do that sometimes. They yeah. come in and they swear to you, Bub, I've learned my, I learned mm-hmm. my lesson. Yeah. Give me a referral to a good banker. I need mm-hmm. to get a second mortgage. I'm going to pay these credit cards off, and I'm never going to do it again. Right. And? And they... Get a second mortgage and they do it again. <laughs> so now they got yeah. two payments. Right. Right? Or three because they already had a first mortgage. Right. All right. So uh, logically, if we have the uh, Federal Open Market Committee meet and we have the Fed go up in interest rates, we don't think it's going to be that drastic, do No. We? And they've already telegraphed a way mm. in advance that they're going to do it. Okay. All right. So it's, some of it's already baked into mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Right? Maybe baked into some policies, mm-hmm. baked into some corporate planning, all right? Because we see it coming, but we don't see it being you know, the uh, having the need to go to twenty percent like Correct. the nineteen seventies. Correct. Okay. Now, if interest rates do go up, and you said wages are going up, and maybe some prices are going up, is that going to put some strain on corporate profits? Yeah. Huh. So if you're an investor, what do you need to think? Uh, the company that I'm investing in or the companies that I'm investing in, I need to be aware of how they're responding. Yeah. What are they going to do? Are they going to be able to go up on their prices mm-hmm. because their corporate profits are maybe stressed a little bit here? Can the economy handle them going up on prices to keep profit margins yeah. up, mm-hmm. which a lot of times our stock prices yeah. are a reflection of. So what do we see coming forward? Are there certain sectors mm-hmm. of the economy that may be able to do this? Maybe some yeah. of our staples mm-hmm. and some of our value stocks yeah. and some of the other companies. Mm-hmm. You know, There's only so much I'm going to pay for a computer. Man. That's right. Uh-huh. So you may want to look at your investment mix and your investment portfolio and, and ask yourself, what if uh, corporate profits are stressed? Do you really yeah. see that being a major concern, though? Not necessarily a major concern. And I, would, and I was just thinking here about financials in particular, mm-hmm. right? And this isn't a recommendation to go out and buy financials, but mm-hmm. um, 
you know, banks are selling a product. What are they selling? Mm-hmm. They're they're selling loans. And if rates go up a little bit, you know, their their cost of doing business really hasn't changed all that much. Mm-hmm. But they can charge a little bit more on their loans. Uh, so they can pass it on. They can pass it on. And they do, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Correct. I mean, we just gave an example of that on the credit card mm-hmm. statement. Yeah. You go from 19% to 23%. Mm-hmm. What did that credit card company do? They passed it on. Yeah. When the interest rates went up, they mm-hmm. passed it on to you, and you're going to have to pay. Sure. So there will be some parts of the economy that you, you may need to rethink about how mm-hmm. you're saving and investing and planning and, and how you're spending your money. Uh, very last thing is this um, uh, the, the jobs market and it being strong. Um, I think it's going to continue that way for a few years here. Two or three reasons. First of all, I do think that the great what? Resignation. Resignation. Is probably going to last for a little while. Mm-hmm. Some of these people may come back into the market. They may, you know, early retire in their late fifties and early sixties and decide, hey, there's only so much fishing I can do. I'm going to go back into the job market. Yeah. So that we may see some of that. Uh, we do still have an issue related to population growth. Mm-hmm. So you know, we don't have necessarily as many people graduating from high school and college going into the job market as are retiring. So therefore, uh, those wages may stay high, which means what? If this young lady graduated from college and got that job making over seventy-five grand a year, what's she going to do with her Spend money? Spend it. Probably. Yep. Which means that the economy is probably going to be fine here. We're going to be able to absorb the higher interest rates. And probably companies are still going to be able to make some profit because there are going to be a lot of people out there like her. Yep. So that headline about it being 1970s style inflation, I think that's premature. I think it's a lot of hullabaloo. There's your, yeah. your, your term, right? Yep. Hope we learned something here from the Advisors Roundtable today at... Super Talk Radio. Discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners LLC. Ignite Planners LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Mm-hmm.